All right, this is the A. I'm Rich Clay and Norman G. This is the A. Where we talk about life and fear and the theater of life. We have a fantastic guest this pre-Thanksgiving podcast with Anna Yoham. Is it Yoham or Joham? It's actually Joham. Joham. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. All right. You and I, we were on last stage last time doing Candide. Yes, that's correct. Oh, yeah. yeah. You were in Candide. I was. I was yeah. in I don't even know the story, but okay. Yeah, no, no, no. You are, you are fantastic. Okay, and you were the backup for Kunamunga, I believe. No, I was not. You I can't hit those high notes, no. No, no, I'm sorry. That was Rachel, that was Rachel Death Race. Yes, that's right. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, you sure you could know? No? <laughs> I can't get up that high, no. Oh, okay, okay. I, I'd like to pretend to, but not today. Not today. <laughs> and you were last on stage. You did uh, Shakespeare. You that's were, correct. What was it, Twelfth Night? It was Twelfth Night, yes. Where is? Uh, with Ross Valley Players. Oh. Yeah, we um, directed beautifully by Jennifer LeBlanc. and uh, cool. Yeah, and uh, she set it in um, Edwardian period, so mm-hmm. 1900s, 1910, uh-huh. which is able to um, use some roles that usually would have been cast for men, mm-hmm. but were cast as females, which is what I was cast as. And it was great. We had a great run, good audience turned out. Who did you play? I played Curio, which returned to Curia, yeah. and of um, the first officer. Awesome! That is fantastic. Yeah, and I'm oh, the first officer. Okay, so when the uh, the cap- ship captain, yeah, like yeah, gets arrested. I'm the one that arrests him, and okay. yeah, no, no, that's so combine the two uh, characters. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Ross Valley Place. That's the North Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just uh, yeah, yeah, Marine. right over right over the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, technically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very very cool. So as I ask you each week. Of course, it's been a hellish. I mean, the air quality just horrible. Horrible. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> trying, trying to breathe this week has just been a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I teach, and I had classes, and I'm like, you know, by Thursday, I was like, I can't do the work that I would try to do with my kids. I'm like, I walked in the door saying, let's take it easy today. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. And then Friday was canceled. So. Yep, same here. I'm an educator as well, and I have kids that I teach theater, and piano, piano's fine because I'm indoors, but right. my theater I had to move all indoors and just take it easy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's... Do you usually take, uh, do classes outside? Um, the place that I'm teaching at, we don't really have the space okay. for it, and I'm sharing the room with my art teacher, mm. and so we need two different types of rooms, right? She needs rooms with tables and chairs and easels, mm. and um, her still lives not to be moved, and I need no chairs, no tables, <laughs> no still lives, and, like, mm. space to move, so usually I do all my uh, games and warm-ups and activities outside, mm. and then we come into the space, but mm-hmm. I haven't been able to play theater games uh, oh. outside because it takes... A lot of oxygen and a lot of running and right. yeah. can't do that. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. But otherwise, how, how's your week, Norman? Just you know, moving, working up. So last week was busy, busy, busy. This mm-hmm. week was still a lot of work. Just mm-hmm. getting ready for the holidays. Yeah, you know, things are starting to taper off. So it's like just trying mm-hmm. to catch up where I can. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned last week. I'm now officially a soda or a San Francisco Unified School District employee. Oh, yeah. I, still don't, I have no idea how to get paid yet. So <laughs> Monday, I, you. Monday, I will be calling first thing in the morning and then going over there. I'm like, no, let's get this set before y'all close down. I was going to ask you this. Does this lock you down? I mean, or, or does that mean that there are jobs that you cannot take? Uh, well, no. I am, so I'm not even on the sub list. Okay. I'm an artist in residence. Uh, and what that means is you can come in and do specific projects. Projects as an artist. Okay. Um, technically, 
I think I'm seeing. I I'm also. I tried sifting through before. I spent the evening. Was it last night? Yeah. Um, sifting through the website, trying to get information about how to get paid, and I figured out I couldn't even. I couldn't even figure out what my designation was. I found out all kinds of things about pension and healthcare, and mm-hmm. but I can't find out. I think it falls under the category of teaching artist, yeah. which technically means there's a teacher in the room and you're just a, mm-hmm. you know, you're extra. But the way it has worked my whole career, because that's what I've been doing my whole career teaching, mm-hmm. um, I just take over the class. If there's another teacher there, ooh, ah, yeah, another adult in the room. But right. often it's just me. Yeah. yeah. I would think that if you're a city and county employee, that's what it sounds like, mm-hmm. that they would give you a website where you can go on and that's like your sign-in sheet. So you can put in your hours. Well, so yeah. I, what I could access, I did access. Mm-hmm. And then there were other things where I click, mm-hmm. and a page would come up saying, huh, it was a funny little elephant character. Huh, <laughs> I'm having trouble getting there. And then I looked back at the notes yeah, and said, yeah. it said, you have to do this on one of their computers. Oh, oh. Yeah. So to at least get officially logged in, you have to do it in one of their computers. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you have access off campus. Otherwise, it's like every time I want to get paid, i got to go to your computer. Yes, annoying. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. It used to be that way with me because I worked for the DA's office in San Francisco, so I'm a city and county employee. And for a while it was. You can only do this on the city and county computer. They did switch it, at least for me, so I can do it offline. Someone will figure it out. Someone, someone will somebody, contact yeah. I, No, I'm calling somebody. I have a number. I'm mm-hmm. calling somebody Monday morning and figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be able to go away on my holiday yes. without thinking about it or worrying about right, it. Right, yes. right, exactly. Right. I want to come back, get a check, mm-hmm. pay my bills, move into December, you know, breathing easy. That's, yeah. That's what I want. Exactly. Um, and yeah, and I got sick. I mean, this crazy weather. Yeah. I didn't even realize. So by, I think it was Tuesday. Yeah. By Tuesday, I just I hold up. I think I did one little job, and then I came home, and I just, I climbed into bed, mm-hmm. and I stayed in bed, and yeah. then my throat was raw. I'd been sneezing for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. I'm like, something is coming on. I don't know what it is. Well, staying out of it for a day helped. Wednesday, my throat felt better. I was still sneezing like crazy, and then Thursday, I was like, okay, I feel okay. I don't feel normal, but I feel close to it. Mm-hmm. I have to go teach classes. I have two classes of theater students today, mm. and my intention was to get them up and get them moving, and that is going to be a bad idea today. So. Yeah, yeah. I was telling you as we were coming in uh, yesterday, I felt sick. I was like, wow, I feel nauseous. I feel like I want to throw up, and I'm like, what did I eat? I didn't eat anything strange, and it's the dust. I mean, that's the only thing that I can think of. I mean, you could, as we walked down your yeah. hallway there. You could just see the shafts of light are all yeah. particular. It looks like what's it the um, <laughs> from um, um, Stranger Things? Um, yeah. the uh, the Down oh. Under. Oh sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Stuff is just floating. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay, this is yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, someone was saying that uh, they saw a picture of San Francisco, the skyline, and it looked like something out of Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Did you see the one I posted the, with the red? Yeah, that's the right. Red sun over. You can see it from the bottom. Yeah. Um, I want to say Masonic Temple, not yeah. Masonic, uh, the, the Latter-day Saints. Mormon. Mormon Temple. The yeah. Mormon Temple. There's a picture from the other side of it looking off towards the bay with the sun just above one of the spires <laughs> and that haze hanging over the city, and it looks like something out of some Sci-fi. horror movie. Yeah. 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 
like Total Recall, like Mars. You know, I mean, Blade Runner, us, yeah. that Blade Runner picture they put yeah. up looks like a good day for women. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I feel bad for the folks. Um, do you have? Uh, I know you don't have anyone in the North California because you're originally from Oregon. That's right, Portland. Do you have any, uh, yeah. Do you have anyone who's affected by the fires at all? No. Um, um, I've seen Jennifer LeBlanc post things about her and her uh, husband's uh, family, and yeah. so I have a feeling that somehow they are connected. Or, yeah. but that's like you know. Uh, how many degrees separation? So sure, sure. I, I don't know anybody up there. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just feel bad. I mean, I keep uh, you know, the reports. Now we're getting into current events, but mm-hmm. I think there are a thousand people missing, Over and I think uh, seventy-seven people confirmed dead, yeah. Yeah. and that total is just going to rise. Well, that was a weird one. So on one day I'm riding home, yeah. and I hear on the news, you know, fifty. 50 dead. And I'm like, wow, because it had only been like 40, mm-hmm. maybe it was 43, 48 the day before. Yeah, and they said yeah. 50. And I said, oh, that's too bad. On the way home, <laughs> just a few hours later, they said, so we've confirmed eight more dead for a total of 63. And I went, oh, oh okay, you just, that's more than. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just been rising. I think they're just finding bodies. And well, they're finally able to get in. Yeah, yeah. It's really bad. And, of course, Trump, I, I saw it now. He's there today. Days. He's there today, you know, after complaining that it's really our fault. fault. <laughs> right. You know, just, if we'd have raked those leaves, <laughs> that, that's what he said. Tell that to the folks in paradise who, you know, paradise is just completely gone. Um, the only other thing, I don't have a lot of current events. I mean, I have uh, the whole uh, Jim Acosta thing where a judge ruled right. in favor of CNN. Right. Because of due process, which I love. Mm-hmm. We're not going to touch the First Amendment. We're not getting into a constitutional crisis. Mm-hmm. It's just due process. Right. Right, exactly. So, And, and Trump says, okay, but if you guys don't act, if there isn't decorum. Like, And I love every list I've seen of all the things he said in, like, recent weeks. Mm-hmm. It's like decorum. You first, right. brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do as I say, not as I do. Right. right. Um, well, sure. and we know all mm-hmm. the uh, and the elections. Uh, oh, sure. The, yeah. You know, no Stacey Abrams. No Stacey Abrams no and um, the guy. Yeah, yeah. We know about that. And yeah, the uh, the what is it, the the balance. I guess the recount. I guess you know people are just conceding the fact that the Republicans on those contested races, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to keep their spots. Also, Stan Lee. I thought about you when Stan yeah. Lee passed away. Oh, it was the first thing I woke up to that day. Yeah. Somebody people, said Stan, yeah. and I was like. Who's Stan? And then I went off on my day, so I didn't see the response until later. And by then I saw, and I was like, well, you have to understand, I have mixed feelings about Stan Lee. Undeniably an amazing man, a creator. Mm-hmm. Undeniably. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> he's also a showman. He's a wheeler dealer. And a lot of people end up on the short end of that deal. Yeah, yeah there, there are a lot of creatives in, Mar- in the Marvel Universe, even before the movies and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I was reading, and I, apparently he had been working trying to get movie deals for Marvel back in the 70s. 70s. Oh, they were doing it. No, there's a bad Spider-Man movie. <laughs> I've heard there's a Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. The only places I've ever seen it mm-hmm. promoted was at uh, Comic-Cons. Yeah. Okay. They, you can see it, because apparently it was that bad, like it never got released. Yeah. And then, yeah, and... You know, and what we've seen is like I remember at one point Hulk. They did a Hulk, and within like two years they did another one. Yeah, I remember that. That was I thought it was so weird. Like, well, why it was they do weird that? because yeah. the first one apparently I think was they really did like bad. three reboots of the Hulk. You know, yeah. one was one guy, and then one was um, who's that famous actor? He was Eric also. Bannon. Was he in? Uh, um, um, <coughs> no, um, um, the guy. He's got the name oh. of the um, um, 
Norton. Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Yes. yes that's right. That's the bad one, right? Yeah. That's the horrible Hulk. Well, well, one, was, one was the Ang Lee uh, Hulk. Yeah. Which uh, I understand where they were going, but I think okay. it was a little too artsy. It was. The other one was the Ed Norton one, which was really, really bad. No, well, between play. him going <laughs> all the time, and then apparently CGI, you know, this is early CGI, yeah. so they were still figuring it out. And apparently there are scenes where you can see the guy in the big padded suit. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, it's like, oh okay, that just sounds horrible. Whereas the new yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. I only saw the first Avengers, and it made me want to see the rest just because, one, I love... Mark Ruffalo. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I love him. And uh, <laughs> and then the Hulk, when he takes Loki, <laughs> he just passes him around like a ragdoll. Although I have to say, I missed Lou Ferrigno. And, uh, you know, just yeah. growing up with um, Bill Bixby and yeah. The Incredible Hulk. Uh, Anna, do you have any, uh, I don't know if you're a comic book fan, but uh, did you? No, I never read any comic books, but um, I really love the X-Men. It's just yeah. like a cartoon series that, yeah. um, what, like what debuted in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I totally gravitated to those and really loved the Jean Grey storyline and the Dark Phoenix. To this to, to date, I think it is the best storyline they've ever done. Absolutely. Yeah. I've always loved it. Yeah. And um, I mean, I read Archie for comics. Well, the Archie's, I, I was there too. Archie Jughead, Reggie. Yeah. Well, you know that's all been rebooted. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, for the first time in the history of Archie, he doesn't look like the guy with the, you know, tic-tac-toe thing on the side of his head. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's it's very modern and and it's working. <clears throat> That's what's amazing. Hmm. Okay. Well, because Archie Archie is an everyman. Yeah. Yeah. So things happen, and Archie is the good guy who just sort of gets through. You know, yeah. either a little bit good, a little bit bad. Archie mm-hmm. gets through. Jughead, they've been able to make this edgy sort of. So they went from this sort of bohemian punk, you know, fifties punk. To sort of a retro 80s, 90s punk, anarchist, and, and real intellectual, where the old Jughead was yeah. never, this guy is real smart, but he's mm-hmm. so, he's such a narrow focus that he misses stuff the same way the old one. Do you have the, uh, the Saint Center, Betty Veronica? That has been real fun because mm-hmm. what they've done is made Betty and Veronica, I mean Betty and Archie, mm-hmm. really good friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... And then, because Veronica got in the mix, Betty just kind of, in order to hold on to some dignity, Betty yeah. just kind of said, dude, we're friends. And so the, the love is still there. The interest is still there between the two of them, and they spend time together. But every time it gets a little bit hot, either something interrupts it, or they have to decide, yeah, we're not doing mm-hmm. that. And so, like I said, it's only been a few years, maybe two or three years. Is this yeah. like actual comic book? or is In the comic, comic book. Okay, and, actually, and now there's TV shows spun off of it, Riverdale. Okay. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize Riverdale was spun off of it. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think that's a, a byproduct of the Me Too movement, I probably, I would think so. Well, even more, I think it's just the old <coughs> one was very much that old, you know, it was the old, what did you, how did you characterize it? It's the, like, the old horror, uh, virgin horror. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, virgin yeah. horror, yeah. And, you know, and they never did fit. Veronica never was a whore, really. And yeah. Betty wasn't completely pure. Yeah. And it's still the guy who's the major problem <laughs> in this. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Exactly. He gets to be. He gets to be an idiot, and it's okay. He gets to be selfish, and it's okay. He gets to be noble. Yeah. And, you know, but but the two women, and basically their worlds revolve yeah. around yeah, the him. star 
which is Archie, yeah. And then, um, what's the new character? Cherry, Cherry Blossom? I oh, I don't know. I have no idea. Cheryl. I think okay. Cheryl is her yeah. name, but um, she was, she was, she's from the, yeah. you know, like, the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in a third love interest, and what it was more was that she, her family, and Veronica's family were sort of at odds. Mm. You know, rich people trying to prove who's the best in town. Um, but they've also, in the new, in the reboot, they've spun her off to make her more three-dimensional. Okay. Interesting. So it's been fun. Yeah. It's been, it's been and I want to ask you, I ask all of my guests this, uh, what do you think, uh, especially being a woman, just the age of the Me Too movement and life in the age of Trump, I mean, um, how have you been coping? I mean, there's Kavanaugh, there's, you know, Dr. Ford. And wow, you uh, what do I mean? How do you feel about what's going on? I feel like there's um, definitely hmm, an awareness and a sensitivity sure. um, of uh, the Me Too movement. And, um, uh, and as a woman, on one hand, you feel like um, your voice is getting a little bit more heard. Yeah. Um, but the other time you feel like it's getting stifled still. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, I haven't had any personal experience of like backlash or fighting or mm-hmm. anything um, with that, which has been great. Um, I mean, it helps that, I mean, my last show I did was a woman director. Oh, and so that was great. My boss is a woman, like my coworkers are women. Yeah. So I don't really have um, the day to day. Um, conflict or um, issues of um, dealing with men at work, I guess I could say. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I wish I had more to say on the topic. Um, I, through the whole Kavanaugh, I was just mad. I was just so mad. I was just walking away, just like, just wanted to punch someone, you know, or punch things. And then I would have, like, be walking down the street and have a guy whistle at me. And I was at a bus stop and a guy whistled at me. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, are you not aware of, like, the – this is not the time. You need to support your women. You need Mm -hmm. to be listening to your women. You need to um, ask them, you know. Um, It did open up conversations with me and some girlfriends of their experiences, my experiences. So, you know, um, it got the topic talking, you know, which is great. But – um, that whole experience, just I was just so mad and um, angry, and I was just like, if any, if I get catcalled, I'm gonna punch you, you know. Like, mm-hmm. but it then also made me think, um, it, the the whole um, argument or, or battle or talk, uh, conversation to have in my head that would be like, am I being too sensitive? Am I being too feminist? No. Am I, um, you know? But times have changed, you know, sure, and. Sure. Um, you know, like 50 years ago, when a guy would catcall on the street, you know, your mm-hmm. natural instinct would be to take it as a compliment. Yeah. And now you're like, I'm not an object, and you need to not objectify me. Yeah. Have you a conversation? I know you're close with your mom. Very. Your mom is also a singer as well. That's right. <clears throat> Have you had a conversation with her about, I guess, like her experience of like, you know, what she's seen in the past or what she's had to endure versus how things are changing now, or or maybe not? Not really. Um, my mom's a very strong woman yeah. and um, very opinionated and very uh, forward-thinking. Yeah. Um, I just always admire her because I look at her and I go, you know, she grew up in the South. She grew up Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. and, um, and she was always like a front-runner for her time because mm-hmm. um, – 
she would be the music directors um, at Baptist Church, which yeah. are notoriously known for being conservative. And um, I and just deal with these jerks of men sometimes that just didn't know how to um, <clears throat> work with women in the workforce. Nothing sexual or anything like that. Yeah. But, like, she had one pastor um, basically convince her that she wasn't doing the work of God mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and needed to take time off to um, rethink what it was to be a, a woman in ministry. Mm-hmm. And it just really derailed her. And, um, like, she had another experience where someone asked, uh, asked her, you can leave, but can you not stand in front? when we were, like, leading hymns, and, um, Whoa. yeah, like, don't be, uh, because, because it was giving the image of, um, women being a pastor, and in the churches that we were going to, that was definitely not accepted, yeah. it was not okay for a woman to be a pastor, but I, I don't know, she's a different woman from where, but then to now, and I look back at her as yeah. a woman in the 80s, in, like, the, in her prime, dealing with all this, and then now, uh, I haven't asked her, yeah. um, her story, but she's always been strong and a forerunner. You know, it's funny when I hear stories like this. When I hear Southern Baptist, you know, I grew up a Southern Baptist, but a black Southern Baptist, and it's very different than Baptist Baptist churches as opposed to Southern Baptist white churches. Mm -hmm. Difference is night and day. Although, I have to say the misogyny is probably the same, where it's expected, even in the black churches, hey, you know, women have this place. Yep. Mm -hmm. You don't see a lot of, I mean, actually, my mother is an ordained minister, but that's now. It it wasn't that way in the 80s and the 70s, and it's a shame how misogyny even affects uh, the church. What's so ironic, too, is my mom even, I was talking to her about this the other day, and giving her a hard time, I'm like, how do you as a Southern Baptist woman can do an X, Y, Z, or justify, you know, um, X, Y, and Z? And her response was, oh, it's way more conservative in Portland than it was in the South. And I was like, what? She, she's like, the churches we went to in Portland were way more conservative oh, yeah. than what she grew up with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, never, so we're, we, we no longer go to the Baptist church? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, never, I've always been fascinated about racism, northern racism versus southern racism, where some racism is right there in front of your face. And others are just, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, meticulously done. And you've also spent time in, in um, Boston. That's right, and Oklahoma City. Yeah, so you've seen it all. I've seen it all. <laughs> now it's time to get into an origin story. Um, so we have Anna, Anna Johan. Um, so how did you get involved in theater? Through my mom. Um, so my mom was singing professionally with the Portland Opera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, she uh, was um, in a chorus, and um, they needed kid actors um, to be in the chorus and to be on stage. And I would do my own um, vaudeville act when I was a kid to entertain my... Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my grandpa was um, bedridden due to cancer, and so I would entertain him by... Oh, wow. Being an MC and then, you know, the great man, the great amazing Anna will come out. And I'd run off stage and then I'd come back and I would be a magician. And then uh-huh. I'd run off stage and I'd come back as the MC and right. introduce myself again. And uh, my mom was like, I think you have something. So she invited me to participate. I'm so glad there's nobody And um, then they were doing Showboat the following year, and they hadn't cast the part of Young Kim. Mm -hmm. And so my mom um, asked if I wanted to, and so we got me trained up, and um, I got the part. So that was my first experience. Now, did you grow up in Portland, Oregon? Outside of Portland, um, towards the mountains, um, technically in a town called Damascus. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't Damascus when I was 
living in, living there. But okay, are, are you an only child or you have siblings? I am an only child. Wow, just me. Okay, very very cool. Well, when I took thirty six hours to come into this world, my mom said no, nope, no more. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, a stubborn baby. Yeah, <laughs> didn't want to come. <clears throat> now, did you did you all stay? I mean, I, did you guys move around or did you stay? No, um, we we moved what three or four miles um, down the road from the house that I w- lived in. Right. So from birth to third grade, and then we moved five miles, I think, down um, to more of the countryside. Uh-huh. Um, and my dad grew up with on land, and he wanted that and animals, so we, we mm. grew up on five acres, and um, they still are there, and we had, had a horse. I showed a horse in wow. 4-H. We had cows. We had sheep. We weren't farmers. I mean, my dad's an electrical right. engineer for Portland, so right. mm-hmm. um, it was just like his hobby. But right. raising animals is a full-time hobby. Right. But, no, they're still there. It's the same house. Wow, that must have been fun growing up as a kid. It right. was. Yeah. Like, everyone always wanted to come to my place because I had a horse. And, right. um, <laughs> so, uh, but it was also once they kind of saw, like, the chores that it took to, like, mm-hmm. feed animals. And right. they're, they're like, maybe not. And cleaning them up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, what about, like, did you act in high school or did you go off to college? Yeah, um, both. Um, so, after Portland, I was um, opera. I was with them for seven years off and on. Mm-hmm. And um, my high school, I went to a really tiny Christian high school in um, Damascus with a graduating class of 24. That was mm-hmm. my size. Wow. And um, we had an acting program for the first two years I was there, and then it got canceled due to the teacher retiring. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't it, it wasn't okay. It was just okay um, uh-huh. um, program. But Portland has this um, opportunity that if your private or your homeschool doesn't provide extracurricular activities, you're allowed to participate in the high, the public high school you would have gone to. Sure. So um, I was able to participate in um, uh, the musicals at the local high school. Nice. So, yeah. And um, I would do community college and community theater in high school as well for opportunities. And, um, yeah, but I actually uh, studied music in mm-hmm. college, not theater. So, okay. Yeah. And, and where was that? Oregon, University of Oregon. Go Ducks. Okay. Right on. Go Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I have a coworker who was a big Ducks fan, yeah. and, uh, you know, I have all the, all the paraphernalia stuff. So it sounds like your trajectory was not in theater, but in music. It was. Um, so, again, when my mom saw that I had a natural inclination for music, she was a very wise woman, and she's like, oh, you want to be a singer? You want to sing around? You're going to study an instrument, and that's going to be piano, and you're going to be a musician. Mm-hmm. And I thank her for that because um, I fell in love with the instrument, and um, it's actually my first love, and I actually wanted to go into classical piano and be a concert uh-huh. pianist. Uh-huh. And, um, and, I mean, I... It didn't work out that way, which is fine. It's a completely competitive world in right. a different way. And um, at that time, my voice started blossoming, and I was taking voice lessons, and um, I was always in love with musicals. And um, But I decided to go to musical theater through the music route, right. which was kind of like in that time period of the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, where 
um, singing was starting to become the least important of the three threats, the dance, the right. acting, and right. the music, it started becoming really acting was number one, number right. two was dance, and then singing, because the style of music was changing. I mean, this right. is like when Rent came out, you know, right. yeah. and so it was yeah. starting becoming a little bit more pop, a little bit more everyday, mm-hmm. every man can mm-hmm. sing, it wasn't requiring the Rodgers and Hammerstein style anymore. Right. So um, I definitely went through the music route, and... Um, and I don't regret it, and I'm very blessed that I can read music proficiently, mm-hmm. and it's definitely helped me out, especially with getting gigs that require tough music. You know, yeah. Can't Be is not exactly easy music. Right, right, exactly. So that yeah. definitely has put, helped yeah. me out for life. Yeah, I, I keep on thinking about Andrew Lloyd Webber when I think about, like, Le Miz and also, um, well, Le Miz, you need great singing, but, like, right. um, Le Miz isn't Lloyd Webber, though. It's Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, um, but Phantom. Phantom, yes. Phantom. I was thinking really about Phantom, mm-hmm. where um, they don't need, like, I, you know, I think about, um, remember they did the film version of Phantom, yeah. and uh, they had, what's that guy, Gerard Butler, Butler who's not really a singer, uh-huh. but, you know, they still did it. Right. Yeah. So, they keep doing it. Or even, like, you said, like, Les Mis, when that yeah. film came out, um, mm-hmm. uh, Gladiator dude. Um, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) he looked the part, but he couldn't do the part. Exactly. But, you know, films, they do it. And because they're like, well, you know, it's it's the star talent and they're the actors and, you know. I just think that there's this misconception where, no, don't get me wrong. I believe that anybody can learn to sing. But I think there's a misconception of because everybody has a voice, oh, you can sing. Just take a voice lesson or two and you're fine. Yeah. Which it takes years to develop mm-hmm. really, yeah. really good vocal training. Well, and it's also style, mm-hmm. like you were saying. Uh, styles change yeah. because if you don't, you know, it's my wife's a musician, and she'll play with people. She plays a lot of salsa, and every now and then there'll be somebody on the gig, and she's like, he just doesn't really know, Yeah, you know. He doesn't know that music, or he doesn't know something specific. Like, let's say it's Cuban, or it's um, there's another group that she'll play with sometimes, Venezuelan. And there are things that are specific to those styles. Sure. And if you don't know that, then you get on stage, and you kind of stick out. Everybody else is in one world, and there you are. You know, that's what I think has been horrible in these movies, mm-hmm. is you sit there going, I want a good musical should transport you. It should, that mm-hmm. song should take you someplace. Yeah. When the person can't, doesn't really have the skills, the chops to, yeah. to bring it, then yeah. you just sit there going, why are they making him sing? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good point, absolutely. And then as a trained singer, it's really hard to swallow yeah. that. I'm not saying, like, yes, I've been trained classically and operatically, but I don't sing like that all the time. Right. Yeah. right? I've learned different styles, but, yeah. oh, it's just hard when... You're like, I know so many better singers <laughs> that have just as good yeah. acting chops. But the cool thing about you, Anna, is that, especially I've seen the name Candide, you have the unique ability of being a great singer and also a very good actor oh, as well. Oh, thank you very much. It's, 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 and it's an ironic t- t- um, blend because when you have both, you both want to hear. Because like I think about, the first musical I ever heard was um, Sweeney Todd oh, yeah, uh-huh. and Lynn Carriou is just an amazing vocalist, mm-hmm. but he's also an amazing actor. I mean, you know, when you, like, first time I heard of, um, of Sweeney Todd, I just heard it. Uh, Dickie brought us in during our first, um, and when I was in the 10th grade at uh, Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and they were like, listen, we're going to play you Sweeney Todd, and you just you just transfix with the music. And, oh, you know, yeah. Of course, Sondheim is a fantastic, you know, arranger, and, um, and but the music, I mean, the people singing, you can tell, because when you... 
as far as the musical, I mean, you have to pay attention to how you breathe, right. yeah. how you're going to elongate your voice, uh, your, those notes. Right. And you can tell, I mean, I had some issues, you know, like, you know, sustaining the note and, you know, oh, my God, I need to know when to breathe and all that sort of stuff, yeah. right. which is something a vocalist has to think about. Mm-hmm. Right? An actor doesn't think about that sort of stuff mm-hmm. if you've never been trained to do it. Or you also have the thing where um, you aren't by yourself, but you have an orchestra and a pit, and right. you can't be out of alignment with right, them. You right. can't, there's not the um, luxury mm-hmm. of being able to say a line the way right. you want it to. They're not the tempo. following you. <laughs> you need to work with them. Yes, right. it's teamwork. You're not following them. They're not following you. It's teamwork. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and I've seen, uh, like, Marianna Wolf, who usually does conducting uh, at the DMT, mm-hmm. when there are musicals, trying to work with the orchestra and also the actors, especially when you have to bring them together. Mm-hmm. And right. getting the actors to say, hey, wait a minute, you have to listen to this note before you go to the next line. Or, or right, exactly. Like, so, yeah. 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 So tell me about your experience in, in Bo- um, I'm sorry, in the University of Oregon. Yeah. Um, so I went down there to um, get a vocal performance degree um, mm-hmm. in classical music um, and wound up getting a bachelor's of music in general music with okay. the emphasis on um, vocal performance. I think it had more to do with trying to graduate on time. Right. And um, I wanted something a little bit more broad in my sure. education. Mm-hmm. So um, once you BA in performance, it's like really you don't have that many um, opportunities to do um, extracurricular right. um, degrees, but uh, B, um, BA in music you do. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I went originally down for BM in music. Right. But um, I loved I loved going to school down there. Um, it's a fantastic school. Um I had, you know, good, good things and bad things. Um, I had a very hard teacher that uh, was very strict, um, and she pushed me um, in good ways and in bad. Um, like, I think it was like, just tough love, just, mm-hmm. which, you know, um, anybody that's in the music world uh, knows that the three hardest instruments, as in, like, competition and in old school teaching, is piano violin and voice uh-huh. they just there's like this old school mentality right. of um little you out because there's too many of right. you and so um it's just tough love i remember my freshman year um she said to me you know there's nothing wrong with making bread meaning there's nothing wrong with getting another job uh-huh. and are you sure you really want to Ooh. continue this or just maybe you want to think about making mm-hmm. bread yeah. yeah but you know i i took it as kind of like F you, I'm, I'm going to right. make this happen for me. Right, right. And it made me work even harder. And um, I had some things I had to get over, like a speech impediment. I had a little bit of a lisp, um, mm-hmm. and it was coming through my music. Right. And um, just having some difficulties with um, languages. I mean, as a mm. vocal major, right. you have to learn in French and yep. Italian and oh, German. Yeah, yeah. You have to study those in Latin. Latin. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be fluent necessary but you have to be able to know how to pronounce them yeah so um it was a it was a struggle definitely um in that aspect but um i had i was able to be in um what's funny is uh my high school drama teacher that directed me in fiddle around the roof her ex-husband was the director of the theater department at oregon uh-huh. and so when i auditioned for chicago he wound up calling her and <laughs> the job because right. mm-hmm. of small connections but yeah yeah i mean it was um it was a, it was a hate love relationship yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was gonna, I was gonna say especially when i was in candide there has to be a sort of um an advantage of let's say not you know there's there's some classically trained vocalists who yeah. try to get into the theater 
realm or they get involved in musicals and they don't have the acting chops or even in singing. Of course, you have to act in singing. Sure. And sometimes I've noticed that some of the great vocalists, Mark, they Mark. don't have the ability. Yeah. No, I've always hated that about um, uh, the opera world. Um, it yeah. is changing. Um, if the park and bark where you just plant yourself on a stage and <laughs> right. just bark for right. the audience. Right. Very old school, right? Very, oh, oh. it's so boring to watch. It and is, yeah. that's why I would hate going to the operas and for so long because I was like torn as, um, as a kid because I was trained classically um, and I totally believe, and I'm a teacher myself, training in the classical way of vocalizing. Mm -hmm. Even if it's music, theater, jazz, cabaret, pop, mm -hmm. having an um, operatic uh, training foundation sure. doesn't mean that you'll be an opera singer. Right. But um, uh, I was always torn as like, I love musical theater because I always thought it was way more entertaining. Right. But my mom was like really encouraging me. I felt like I would disappoint her, let her down, her mm -hmm. being an opera singer, which that was like a false notion. But um, I think it also helped that I was always in a musical. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I just... I'm not trying to sound brag, but I just always had, a, like, a talent for acting. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then I would take acting classes at Oregon. Or um, just whenever there was an opportunity, mm -hmm. I would immerse myself. Um, and then watching the greats, you know, um, on YouTube now, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, Bernadette Peters and Nathan Lane have always oh, been yeah. uh, huge idols of mine. Yeah. And um, Maren Mazzi, may she rest in peace, so sad to hear her parting a couple weeks ago. Um and Brian Stokes, like those are two amazing Broadway legends as well. Um, you know, and like there is art in mimicking, you know, they say right. the best type of, of flattery is mimicking and yeah. you just kind of well, I tell students that all the time. Yeah, you don't I'm, want I'm like if you don't know or you don't think you know what you're doing and somebody else does something that you resonate with, that you recognize, steal that. Because yeah. that may be your starting place. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna push you so that it becomes authentically yours, but you got to start somewhere. you right? got to start somewhere. And, um, you know, I just would be exposed to faulty towers. And mm. to, um, so I had all this, like, wonderful, like, background that I was always being exposed to. I was a kid that grew up um, watching Music Man, you know, mm -hmm. um, with Cheryl D Shirley Davis, Shirley, jo Shirley, Shirley Jones. Oh, and, yes, yes, yeah. yeah, Pattern, Robert mm -hmm. Preston, Robert Preston. Preston, yeah. You know, so um, I – had all this like wealth of knowledge. Not much of a singer. No, but that part doesn't really require much of a singer. No, he's a patter. He's a patter guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of brilliant. Yeah. I mean, my so one like Rex Harrison, right? Yes, exactly. exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my one regret is that I didn't double major or minor in theater. Um, but I did go to music theater, um, Oklahoma City University, to get my music theater degree. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, that really helped me. Finesse polish uh -huh. um, because they do train you in all three realms. Yeah. You walk what, out of school. What made you do that? Because you could have just stuck with you know what you got in Oregon. Sure. Just, you know, I didn't feel like I got enough in Oregon. Um, to be honest, I always knew I was going to get my master's. It, it was one of those things where it started to turn that if you wanted to be an opera singer, you needed to get your master's. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, right. and I had one of those panic attack, panic moments where I was like, I'm graduating in four months, and I've got a degree in how to sing. <laughs> like, right. What am I going to do with this? Right. Um, so I took three years off between schools, and I traveled, and I just had – and then that three-year three period period um, actually moved to London and lived there for a while, oh, wow. for Very six nice. months, and it was the first time in my, at that time it was 22, 22 years of existence where I did not have access to Were music. you just on your own? You just, you, you weren't, were you with friends or anything like that? Um, 
No, I was on my own. I did it through a, so instead of a student exchange, yeah. it was a work exchange. Okay. So a program basically gave me my work visa so I could live there, work there legally for six months. Uh-huh. And they don't provide you a job, but they provide opportunities sure. um, for you to find places to live. Great. But, um, yeah, I mean, those six months I realized um, I had no access to voice lessons. I had no access to playing piano. And it was a really good wake up that for me to realize I really, this is my life. Like, sure. um, I could not live without it. Right. Or I know people who were like, ah, whatever, I'm right. going on. And um, I was watching, I was seeing a production of Chicago on the West End. And I had just done Chicago two years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I just had a moment where, like, I need this. I need to do this. I love mm-hmm. this so much. Mm-hmm. And it came back and. Um, uh, I had a wonderful experience of playing Kate and Kiss Me Kate. And I just kind of got that extra boost in my arm. And, like, my director was like, you need to pursue this. Like, you really need to pursue this. And um, and then the last thing that kind of pushed me finally over towards the edge, um, again, because I had this wrong notion that if I wasn't a classical opera singer, my parents would be disappointed for some reason. Um that they, uh, my mom arranged a trip for us to go down to Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Sure. My cousin, who was going into college. At Ashland, uh, right? In, yeah. in Ashland. He was visiting, and he was going to be a theater major in college. She um, wound up um, organizing a meet and greet with a professional actor of mm-hmm. OSF yeah. and for a Q&A with us. Mm-hmm. And he looked at my cousin, and he's like, well, you're doing the right thing. You're in education. And then he looked at me and goes, what are you doing? You've been out of school for two years. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gave me these, like, point-by-point point bullets of right. points of what I need to do in order to, like, take the next step. Sure. And then um, took, I don't know, I'd 30 minutes, I said to my parents, I need an hour, you know, I just need to be by myself, and walked around Lithia Park, and just kind of had a come-to-Jesus moment, and mm-hmm. just realized, it's been music theater, it's always been music theater, I want to go to music theater, uh-huh. where can I go now, and surprisingly, there's not that many places that do masters of mm-hmm. musical theater, uh-huh. and um, the long story short, I literally googled masters yep. in musical theater, sure. and Oklahoma City University popped up, and that's where Kristen Chenoweth went and where Kelly O'Hara went. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to look into the school and uh-huh. wind up going there. Wow. And how was the experience? Again, in a hate-love relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it is. I mean, but that's just the performing arts, I think, when you're in the training. It's just, yeah. it's just grueling. I don't really know that many people who haven't gone through a grueling process. You know, I was thinking to myself when I went to uh, NYU, and I think a lot of folks who, because we've had a lot of guests who have not gone to studied acting as at all but i think there is a uh, there is a love hate you know we've talked about how a lot of teachers will sort of if you have bad habits right. they'll hit out those bad habits right. get those bad habits out of you or if they can't they'll just say listen you can't cut it yeah mm-hmm. and sometimes that can be a very grueling thing yeah. and i've had friends of mine who are classmates of mine who cried Right. You know, the teachers just All broke the, yeah. them down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very um, carth- carth- what is the, uh, cathartic. cathartic, thank you, experience that can either be good or bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, your voice teacher is almost like a therapist. Um, yeah. It's just such a private and such a soul-cleansing experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, the good things about OCU is um, great opportunities. They do yeah. six performances a year. Mm-hmm. Um, they train you in legit and in Broadway and in musical theater, so um, you have to really know how to sing classically as well as you have to know how to belt, and mm-hmm. they're great at that. They do three offers and three musical theater a year, so you mm-hmm. always get exposure. You have to audition. 
um, they trained me to be triple threats. Um, so your my dance skills went through the roof. Okay. Um, my acting skills got deeper and more knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. I just unfortunately the only like negative experience I had with it was I was. Um, not paired well with my voice teacher. Um, she had her very own technique, right. and if you didn't get her technique, then it was hmm. game over. <laughs> and some people thrived under her and worked well with her, and right. she was tough love. I don't do well with tough love. I mm-hmm. need support. I need mm-hmm. encouragement. Sure. And um, she was not the person to yeah. give that. And um, after three semesters of really battling with her and I would have panic attacks and anxiety attacks sure. before going towards her mm-hmm. lessons because I just, I just didn't know what I was doing wrong or what I was doing right. Yeah. And it just, um, I had a moment of um, clarity, very much so, and um, just basically it's like it's time for me to change. And the um, penultimate semester for me to graduate, yeah. um, everything like just like all the doors just opened up for me, uh-huh. and um, as in like when I emailed this other voice teacher saying I need to move in right. on Friday and he was like I have no room I'm at max capacity right. and when we came in on Monday to have the meeting he's like so three of my students canceled and I have spots for you now awesome but he yeah. said yeah. I, you can't I, you have to be here an extra year because I don't want to hold your hand at graduation so yeah. I was in grad school for a total of three years but mm-hmm. I mean I was broken emotionally broken and mm-hmm. physically my voice just wasn't working oh. person and um, he had to really build me up and rebuild me. And um, I really appreciate Dr. Christensen because yeah. he was um, not only a wonderful technician as when it comes to vocalizing mm-hmm. and um, vocal um, singing, but as a, as a human being, he was a great um, emotional therapist that got yeah. my confidence back, helped me get my wow. confidence back. Yeah. I have a question for you, Norman. Um, well, really, both of you, because both of you are teachers. Do you sometimes have to, because you talked about sometimes getting into – you know, there's some teachers who are like therapists as well as, you know, coaches, either vocal coach or, or what have you. Do you sometimes get into that or do you try not to get into that because it's like, hey, look, you know, you have an agenda and you have a time limit. And it's funny because you, you talked on, touched on a number of subjects about the, the relationship between the teacher and student. Um, Adrian, right? Is that her name? Um, maybe. Yeah, we had her guest uh, about a month ago. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, she talked about, I love what she said. Um, Adrian Dean. Yeah, Adrian Dean. That she, um, that every, Reg always asks about what your training is and if there are particular techniques or styles that you that you felt useful or, you know, you're drawn to. And she said, well, they're all, and I think she's right, they're all somebody's style. Like you said about that one teacher, there's all somebody's, there's their style, their technique. And it may work fabulously for them. Yes. It may even work fabulously for a lot of people. Yes. But the problem is when you're in the wrong place with the wrong person, um, and the problem with those people often is they become they become the prophet. They become friggin' John the Baptist or something. That's what kind of happens. They are bringing you the truth, mm-hmm. and anything else is blasphemy, yeah. and you are just doomed. And so as a teacher, I've been through that. Um, I had a dean who just was horrible. Mm-hmm. And it was because she was at a place in her career where she needed she needed certain things, and students were basically pawns in her world. I'm lucky because after that I got into another training program where I ran into somebody similarly. One, she did not have power over me, which helped so much, but I could decide whether or not to work with her, and I saw there were some benefits to it. 
but I walked in the door with my ego, with with an armor, basically, where I could go in and be vulnerable. I could open myself up to the theater experience without having my psyche shredded. Yeah. So as a teacher, I don't want to be... I've had students, one of my first students when I, there's a middle school class I've been teaching for like 20 years now. And one of my first students, if I had to go through that group and say, who is potentially going to be something in theater, there's one woman that I would have sworn, one young woman I would have said, never. Like, she was wood. She was wood when we started, and she was wood when we finished. All it was is that she was aware wood when we finished. She knew. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I'm not here to beat you up. The show is not the important thing when I'm teaching. It's what's going on with my students. So I tried to get you every place I could, and I see that you can't get any place else, at least right now, because now we are at showtime. I need to get you at a performance place. And we did. Five years later, I go to Cal Shakes. She's in, <laughs> she's in the show, and she does three seasons with them. That is even a show. She walks up to me and says that I am part of her inspiration mm. for theater. And I'm like, well, it's because I have my standards and my style. But, yeah, I don't want to cross that line. So okay. anytime I feel like somebody needs help, mm-hmm. like I'm not help. And if I'm in a structure where I can go to a supervisor or somebody um, I'm lucky in Richmond, I work at the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts, and we have we had one person. Now we have a staff of people who have social work backgrounds, and they're there to help nurture these kids. So I can say, that kid, what's going on? And I've gotten answers sometimes. I'm like, why didn't you tell me that before I walked in the classroom? Yeah. But most of the time, I can just say, that kid, and they may give me some information. They will always follow up. And that's not my job. My job is not to... To give you therapy. That's not my job. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, I totally understand the whole um, ego that happens, and you really find egos in, again, piano, violin, and um, classical singing. Um, and uh, why one reason I think it did not work with me and this teacher was because I came in with 10 years of vocal training already. Oh, yeah. You know, I studied voice from 13 till I graduated. Sure. And, you know, I had gotten some, nom- I won some competitions, or I should say right. I came in second place and runner-up, you know, right. so I had, I clearly knew what I was doing, right, yeah. and um, and then I knew what I was doing in college as well, and mm-hmm. so w- when I switched to the other voice teacher, he was like, I think the reason it never worked out with you is because she was trying to, so her technique was forget everything you've learned right. and start it over again, right. but my, I'm a smart woman, and I right. was like, it was really hard for me to be like, what do you mean, like, oh, I know what I'm doing, you right. know, right. and so I just, and also, um, she wanted all her students to kind of um, get so dependent upon her that they didn't know what to do, right. and I just always, I never got that way, I never got right. to the point where I was codependent. And it just didn't work. But I teach uh, kids. So, like, my youngest is, like, five, and um, her oldest is in fifth grade. And it's an after-schools program. And so um, what I do as a teacher, and um, predominantly, I would say right now, 75% of my students are piano students. Uh And they're at the beginning. Like, so it takes a lot of patience, right, for them to understand Mm -hmm. great music. But um, I like to say the say, uh, saying over and over to them, just because you make a mistake doesn't mean you are a mistake. Because I I feel like I grew up in a um, music environment where mistakes were bad, you know, right. and I had to mentally overcome that. Mm-hmm. And to steal a quote from my mom, singing is 99.9% mental. 
If you don't think you're going to do it, it's not going to happen. It's 99.9% mental. It really Mm -hmm. is. And I have um, two private voice students that are adults, and Uh one of them um, has the hardest time overcoming her mental state. Uh And, um, like, when she sings with me, she can totally do it. Uh But when I don't sing with her, she just loses all confidence and she can't get those high notes. And so it's just a big – it's a big explanation of its head. And – um, so with my kids, I try to put so much of, of encouragement mm-hmm. and being like, make mistakes, do it, it's okay, right. you can learn that way, that's how we learn, that's how we build up, because I don't, I don't want to have the kids going through what I went through. Right. And then for my older ones, I'm like, I don't want my adults to mentally go through what I went through, right. and through the harsh training of it. And so you have to find that balance of speaking harsh truth and like having tough love, but having like... I mean, I have to tell them all, my, especially my adult students, it's okay to make a mistake. Yeah. This is a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And going back on um, what you said about um, styles and techniques, sure. I wish I had discovered or realized earlier in life that the voice teacher or the teacher is not God, right. but right. what they're offering you, it's tools. Right. And some tools may work for you, yep. and some tools may not. Yep. And a good voice teacher has a plethora of tools, yep. and will be like, okay, that doesn't work for you. Right. All right, but this does. Right. But it doesn't force the other student. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say, like, it's opposite, you know? Right. Like, that's a good voice teacher. A bad voice teacher to me is like, there's only one tool. It's only a hammer. Oh, <laughs> I, I started off not wanting to teach for years, mm-hmm. did not want to teach. And then... I started, what I learned was there were too many situations. I started off I started off as a teaching artist. I started off as an actor doing school tours, and then we would offer workshops. And so we'd be thrown into all kinds of environments where we're going to, sometimes we would just sit and chat. That was the best. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes we actually get people on their feet. Well, how much can you actually accomplish in 20 minutes, in 45 minutes? Oh, yeah, not you much. Mm-hmm. There's really, and to, so to set your expectation that, the students are going to absorb everything that you've got in that time period. You either have to, I won't say lower the bar, but you have to reduce the target to a real simple target to hit, or you have to know that you're going to throw a concept at them, and they just grasp the concept, and execution may come later. That's, all of that's enough. So what I ended up learning was it was okay for my students to fail. I wasn't failing, nor were they failing. They were doing what you're saying. They were learning. They were making mistakes, and those are useful tools if you let them be. So I'm, I think I'm pretty good now at going in, assessing a group, yeah. and then going, okay, I'm going to push you towards that. I have a high bar. I'm pushing you towards that high bar. How is it you're not making it? Hmm, okay. And how much time do we have? I may be able to do nothing more than give you a good assessment so that you walk out of here knowing some, you know, like I said, that concept and not achieving it. Or I may be able to reduce what we're doing down to that point where you can actually clear a bar. And now I can say, hey, you got that success. You're feeling good. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, it's a cost of balance, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And I learned a little bit, you know, as I, when I stage manage, I always watch a director, and I got to watch you during our, the direction of Four Men in Paris. And I'm very impressed with, because we had a lot of young actors. We had some yeah, young yeah. actors. And we I was very worried <laughs> that um, the actors couldn't 
achieve what we wanted them to achieve. Right. Of course, me as the oh, writer. I lost, I lost sleep over it. Yeah. <laughs> but what's amazing is while I may have panicked a little bit and maybe even stepped over my boundaries by saying, well, you know, we need to talk about this and that right. or whatever. And you were like, nope, just leave them alone, mm-hmm. give them the text. I'll, you know, structure, you know, where they are as far as placement and movement. Right. So it looks right, but as far as let them, and sure enough, a, you know, a, a lot of the text just sunk in, yeah. and they just just grab, I mean, like I'll talk about Barry Graves, and sure. hey, Barry's listening, you know, hey, Barry, hey, how are you doing? But <laughs> Barry's a very, so Barry took on the role of Richard Wright. Right. And uh, Richard Wright, it, the way that I wrote it, is very dominant. And he dominant. was scared of it. Yes. He was scared of it. He was scared of the role. So he went through the whole rehearsal period scared of the role, and I recognized that early in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And, but, sure enough, by just letting him alone and letting him, especially when we did the run-through, so he could sort of see mm-hmm. his dynamic. Right. And just to give you context to uh, Anna, he's a big guy. He's like, he, he's like at least six foot three. He should be an offensive lineman. <laughs> <laughs> but as when I talk to him just in private, you know, he's always grown up being a big guy. But he's always wanted to let people know I'm safe. You know, right. I'm, I'm maybe a big black guy, but I'm not. I'm, right. You know, I'm. So he, his personality. Very soft demeanor. Yeah. Exactly, and I understand. You know, the dynamics behind that. Um, but you know, he knew that he had to. You know, be dominant, and he had to. You know, address the text that's there. And sure enough, as we got through the run throughs, by you just leaving him alone, he just grabbed onto it. Especially the. You know, I look at the fight right. scene. I look at the party scene. No. He just oh, even the first cafe scene. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, there were there were four scenes where the first one was he does a speech. He starts a scene as a speech, and then it becomes uh, sec- his second cafe scene. Um, and we get through it, and he gets through the speech. Pretty really, he knew how to to deal with the speech. So he gets through the speech. We go muddy through the rest of the scene, and then we stop to talk about it. And I'm like. And we'd both be saying, that energy you had in the speech, that's that. You need that for the whole show. We need that. And eventually it grew into the rest of that cafe scene. And then it grew into the first cafe scene. And, yeah, my thing was Mm -hmm. go for a certain amount of structure but not get locked in. There's a structure that needs to happen. This is the structure of the play. I need to see where you can fill this out. And I'm sure you run into that where you – at a certain point you're like – I understand structurally where I'm going with you, the student, and now I need to see how I can, where I can anchor you and start to push you towards those other things. I mean, uh, my theater students are uh, first, second, and third grade, so mm-hmm. not too much <laughs> right now. It's more about going, okay, uh, focus your energy uh-huh. one minute after time. But um, I personally had an experience where the director was pushing me. And um, I was doing um, the farm with um, Theater First uh, mm-hmm. with uh, um, last fall, a year ago. Yeah. And uh, it was the last rehearsal before preview, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And I was playing this part where the character um, just witnessed um, what you would – I mean, the farm is based on um, – uh, Orwell's Animal, Animal Farm, Farm yeah. right? Yeah, and so this part of the play is when the character um, was a horse, and she just witnessed one of the other horses being murdered right. um, by the dogs That's and right. the pigs. Turned into right. glue, right? Right. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so, uh, and um, so I, the character goes through like this grieving period, and so it was directed one way to do it. And so the day before we had this preview, it was directed a different way to do it. Sure. 
and I just like broke down because I was like, I don't know what you want from me. I'm totally I'm, like I, I I I feel like I, I was comfortable in this, right, and right. you told me last week that I was good with this. So why are we going with a different direction? And I mean, I literally just like stood on stage going, Okay, how do you want me to do it? Okay. Uh-huh. So, sorry, what do you want me to do? And thankfully, I was friends with the director. I've worked with her before. And uh-huh. so it was a very safe environment for mm-hmm. me to, like, be that emotional, right? right. And um, and I appreciate that she pushed me that way because it, what happened was um, it blended both styles, mm-hmm. right? Because I think she was like, let's try the other extreme. Is that Aaron? Um, Elena Wright. Okay. And Michael Torres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they co-directed that. And mm-hmm. um, it just was, it just felt like it was being torn in two different directions. Mm-hmm. But I think what came of it was a beautiful marriage of the two ideas. Right. Um, but it, it's it's hard when you're pushed and you're stretched that way. And especially as an actor, when you well, uh, hold on to an idea. I know that we walked out of rehearsals with Rich kind of going, oh, my God, what did you do? So um, our young, one of our youngest actors was playing James Baldwin. He had a flamboyant style, which we were looking for the sort of what I keep calling the pre-James Baldwin. The James Baldwin that we knew became James Baldwin. He started someplace else. I couldn't, as much as I, he was good at taking notes in the sense that he heard them and he made adjustments. He wasn't getting where he needed him to go. And out of the frustration, I told him to stick his hands in his pockets. And for at least two weeks of rehearsal, he did scenes with his hands in his pockets. What was great was within a couple of days, it was clear, well, from the, as soon as he did it the first time, I started to see what I wanted to see. And I was like, okay, I don't need hands in pockets, but I do need that. So I'm going to leave that alone. And I left it for a good two weeks. I just left it. And then finally, as we were preparing to move into the theater, I said, I have to tell you that in performance, I'm not asking you to keep your hands in your pockets. But what I need you to know is notice how much you've learned in this process of everything else that works without you having access to that. Great. I should use it myself. <laughs> well, it was just, I know, there were just, there were times we'd walk out of rehearsal, right? Just like, well, I don't know. I'm thinking about this. I'm worried about that. I'm like, I'm worried too. And, uh, but, you know, this I, is where because I'm going I've been there as an actor where, a director, let's say you, you're taking on a role and it's huge. Like I've been there with statements. I've been there with. There have been other scenes, like you know, like let's say uh, let's say a play. Like Susan Evans would have me in a play right. that's so abstract, like a Carol Churchill play, like sure. far away. And I'm like, okay, she's cast me in that, and I'm reading the script. I think I have an idea of what it is, and she's telling me, no, that's not what it is. Right. And I have no idea. Right. And I imagine that's how Curtis felt, right. or someone else feels. Like okay. I think I have an idea, but the director's telling me no. Right. I will do the best that I can, or I'm, I'm told that yeah. the goal is here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm just going to do the best that I can. Eventually, something's going to happen. Well, because they cast you for a reason. Right. <laughs> I've tried to learn not to say no. I'm not good at it at all. Mm-hmm. But instead of saying no, to say, well, this is what I think is working, or this is where I think I see you reaching towards something that's useful. This is what I want that I can understand you're not hearing for some reason. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to kind of leave you in that awkward place where we're not really communicating. Mm -hmm. You know, because first I do. I try to connect and I try to communicate. But you run into people where you're like, we are not communicating. So where's the safety that I can go to? Right. But every now and then, there's that 
night after that rehearsal where you're having these har- these discussions, which right. are sometimes horrible. And sometimes and an actor still thinks, an actor still, you know, right. percolates these things in their minds. Right. And then all of a sudden they come on stage again yeah. with something hopefully new because right. they're like, okay, I've, I'm trying to process this. And that's the wonderful thing about acting. I'm not sure if it's the same in, in music mm-hmm. where you're still processing how to hit the, the voice. I mean, either you hit the note or you don't hit the note. Well, and that's, I've, I've done voice classes, and mm-hmm. I love it when somebody tells me, okay, so, yeah, you did this well, and this is what you're aiming for, and, yeah, you totally didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. We did our first run-through, and I was like, okay, so that was horrible. <laughs> The good news is we got about two weeks, and mm-hmm. this is where we should be right now. So yeah. hopefully all of you know what needs to happen right. <laughs> and what mistakes you made tonight. Yeah. And we've got time to start to work on the details of it. But I said, and I, so when I finally told them that uh, we had a gorgeous night, I said, I, I'm going to tell you up front. I have no problem telling you when something sucks. <laughs> and I'll try to not be totally harsh about it. But I'm not going to not say that, because when I get to say it's gorgeous, you will know I haven't been praising you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your uh, praise is not hollow. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Exactly. And I'm sure you've had to go through that, Anna. Yes. What was the transition between, I guess, I guess going through the process of singing and just to going through the process of acting? Like, you know, let's say the first, what was your first acting gig? With no music? Yeah. Ooh, Ooh that's a good question. Um, I have to think about that for a while. Um, well, we can also talk about when you first came to the Bay. Okay. My first no singing whatsoever uh, straight play gig uh, was Twelfth Night, just the one I just did. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> How was the experience? Um, uh, great. I loved it. Um, I silently chuckled to myself when our I'm sorry, yeah. when you did the farm, that was singing? It was. It okay. was It was a kind of a, as to a, steal a pun from a stage manager friend of mine, it was very much like Hamilton. Oh. <laughs> um, because, I, so side, uh, side note, um, right. the farm originally debuted eight years ago, yeah. and it had Davies Diggs. Who, um, oh, right. yeah, right. so he, he was originally cast in it, right. but he didn't wind up doing it, I think, because he got something bigger, mm-hmm. but he did help them out with the hip-hop rap part of it. Oh, interesting. So the farm had some artists um, in the show were, their solos were nothing but hip-hop rap. Mine was not. I had mm-hmm. a, I had lyrical, um, uh, belty things, so I definitely had melody in my sure. songs. Okay. Um, but, so... The farm, I kind of, it's not quite a musical. I would call it a play with music. Sure, yeah, sure. But as in, like, I can't even say Twelfth Night with no music because there's so much music. And I only sang in the very last one that I had all the chorus. Yeah. But I, I laughed at oh, the. I mean, uh, when, uh, when that I was in a. Yes. Le- boy. With a hey ho and a. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. Wind yeah. The, the wind and the rain. Um, it was it was great. I loved it. Um, it. A full week of nothing but table reading and talking shop. I've never experienced that as a musical theater actress. Because uh-huh. oh, right. usually it's dance, 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 right, dance, right. choreography, choreography, right. and music, 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 music. And so it was great to really like dig into mm-hmm. character yeah. and relationship. And then you have the language of the Shakespeare, which right. is wonderful. And I laughed when the, when the uh, table reading introduction and they said, um, so we kind of have a big cast. Uh-huh, right, <laughs> I just right. laughed because it's like that's nothing compared 
to a 30-plus Gatsby musical theater. But um, I about two years ago, um, I made the probably three years ago this January, mm-hmm. I mentally made the switch to not pursue opera. And uh-huh. I originally came to the Bay to pursue opera. Sure. And because um, the part of my story I haven't explained, like, explained is after I got my musical theater degree, I actually went to Boston to get my opera performance degree. Oh. And, um, and uh, then it came out here, and um, I just was hitting my head against the wall. I just sure. could not break in or get my foot right. in that door, but I was getting cast for musicals, uh-huh. and um, then had another moment of realization of, like, no, I really, I can sing opera, and I enjoy singing it, but I don't like the lifestyle, right. it's stressful, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be that person that's walking around around with, like, a scarf, you know, and talking to people, like, oh. I need my honey and my hot water, and don't right. talk right. to me, you have a sniffle, and I just, I don't want that style yeah. life, yeah. and yeah. I want to be able to not... Worry about my voice 24-7. I was such a stressful part about being an opera singer mm-hmm. is the minute you feel the tickle, oh, God, oh, my God, am I going to be able to sing tomorrow? Oh, God, yes. you know, and right. I just would not perform under good, uh, under pressure situations. Sure. But um, I had a teacher and a coach here in San Francisco that said, when you sing um, opera, you have a gorgeous voice and quality, but I can see panic and I can see your brain thinking. Sure. But when you sing musical theater, you light up, you're having fun, you become the character, you don't think technique, you just do. Wow. And um, and I also have, um, if I can say, um, good comedic timing, and mm-hmm. which yeah. is really required in mm-hmm. music theater and not in opera. Mm-hmm. So um, I was out here and three years ago made the switch, and when I made the switch, I also said I want to be in more plays, get, be a stronger actor, and I want to do more Shakespeare because I really love Shakespeare. Yeah. I, it sounds like the first thing you did in the Bay was Candide. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm trying to think what else I did. I did uh, Crazy for You down in um, Salinas uh-huh. uh, with Western Stage, <laughs> and I did a um, all-women show that was called Love, Laughter, and, and Linguini that um, uh-huh. the artistic producer wrote down in San Jose, uh-huh. so I did that. And then I think the next thing I did was Candide, yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, because I had been out here for a little over a year mm-hmm. and hadn't gotten work. And I hadn't really pursued it because I wasn't planning to move to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And it was a whirlwind of moving. And um, my voice definitely took a tank. Like, I could not hit my high bows. And it was nothing. I had to go see, I needed to see a therapist because I was going through one of the life's most hard transitions, which right. was moving. Yeah. And um, so the stress was causing me to not be able to sing. Sure. And um, so uh, it took about a year and um, to finally get my feet on the ground. And um, Crazy For You was the first thing. And, yes, the commute was horrible, two and a half hours. But yeah. I, I had to tell people, like, you just I had to say yes to a job. I had to get that ball right. rolling yeah. because I believe in, like, the right. energy of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, – that's how my career started here. Wow. But what brought you here? I mean, why why San Francisco instead of somewhere else? Yeah. So um, I was doing an opera internship with um, Bay Area facility, Bay Area Summer Theater Opera Program mm-hmm. Institute. <laughs> and um, they, they were um, – so I was cast in an opera with them, and then I also was doing uh, workshops and voice lessons. <laughs> and I had just graduated uh, with my opera degree, and um, – living out here in the Bay Area uh, for six weeks and um, met 
all these people that were all this networking, and I didn't realize until I was here how many small opera programs and opera companies were out here. And um, where Boston, there really isn't that much opportunity to climb up the ladder. Um, it's either like Boston Lyric Opera or that's kind of it, you know, and besides like a couple startups. And um, so I also was in the transition of I needed to move in Boston. I couldn't find housing. And when the 10th one falls through, you just kind of have to stop and ask yourself, is the universe trying to tell me something? Oh, you're way smarter than me. And I, um, like, when my very, very, very last opportunity, like, fell through to live in Boston. Um, And I um, met up with this voice teacher here in um, San Francisco, Pat Mm -hmm. Craig, and she taught many years at NCTC, New Conservatory, and um, New England Conservatory, sorry, and um, everyone told me, go talk to her, she'll know the scene because she's been there and she's been here, so I went to go talk to her, and she told me, get the hell out of Boston, (laughs) because um, Boston is a very old school, they love um, more Baroque music, so Handel and Haydn, and my voice doesn't fit that. And uh-huh. so they're like, they won't, she won't, they won't appreciate you. Uh-huh. So come out here. And then the minute I had that conversation, my dad called me. He's like, hey, I just got off the phone with family friends that I went to college with. And they said you can live with them room and board free until you get your feet underground. Nice. And that was when I was like, was uh, Marin, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Martinez. So I lived with them for three months until I got mm-hmm. my feet. But so I came out here because I thought of there, there was so many more small opera companies right. and, you know, SF. Um, opera and San Jose Opera for right. chorus opportunities, and um, that's what brought me out here. And mm-hmm. it, I'm a West Coast girl. It was nice to be back on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Awesome. One last question because we've hit the one hour mark. We're having so much fun. Um, <laughs> how how is the Bay Area treating you, acting wise? And are you getting the most out of Bay Area theater? Or are you looking to I don't know go elsewhere? There are a lot of folks who are like. I need to get to L.A. or New York or something like that. For me right now, my career, it's hitting my marks for the most part. Um, I got my EMC card, which is the equity member candidate, to join AEA, which is the Actors' Equity Association. Um, I've been told and heard a lot from fellow professional um, equity actors that it's very tough to make a living here and staying here. It's a tough period, but if you've got the musical theater in – that's Helps I, too. I, I am an equity actor, okay. and if you if you're getting if you are known yeah. in the musical theater community, you've got you've got to step up on yeah. somebody else. So it's um, I mean I've only been pursuing musical theater and plays like hardcore for the last three years, and I'm I'm getting work. Like uh, last year was a ridiculously amount of work to the point where I had to. It was great. It was a great problem to have, but I was so exhausted and drained that I was like, sure. I need a break. <laughs> but um. I mean, with the TBA um, opportunities, um, so they have a nice networking of call list. I have, mm-hmm. last year or two, had a great opportunity where um, not only you, Reg, but I had another friend call me and say, hey, I think I've got a part for you. Can you come on in and read? Mm-hmm. It was just like every actor's dream where you don't have to audition, but right. you're, like, called in. Right. And it, like, took six years to finally get at that level. But um, And I'm making some... Um, you know, people know me at Woodminster really well. People know nice. me at Marin Shakespeare Company really well. And um, so it's like I'm seeing that um, my hard effort's finally paying off. Sure, sure. Um, but long term is I would, my ultimate goal is I'd love to be an actor with Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Um, mm. That's been mm. a dream of mine since I was 14. Mm-hmm. And um, my coach um, wants me to move to um, New York when I get my card. Mm-hmm. 
I'm 36. I'm kind of starting to get settled. <laughs> I don't know if I want to make that move and deal with the humidity and the weather right. the East Coast. Um, but I would love to just do a West Coast, um, you know, from San Diego to Vancouver, mm-hmm. if that's possible. Um, just the West Coast uh, performances. and maybe Some people do. Some people make it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've been very blessed in the last year with um, getting my card. And I was nominated last year for a BA. TCC award, the Bay Area Theater Critics with Farm. Yeah, Yeah, so um, I'm definitely getting some exposure, which is great, and um, it's a a wheel of fortune, right? You have your highs and you have your lows. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like Alex said, I've seen your talent in Candide, and you were gracious enough to participate in the read-through for our thing. She was in the second read-through, you remember, right? Oh, it's wonderful for you to think of me. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, uh, you know, you're getting, you know, it's one of the cool things about someone who has great talent. You do one thing, and all of a sudden, the phone calls started pouring in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so so that's a fantastic thing. And you got to still keep your chin up when the phone calls don't come pouring in, because, like, last year was so overwhelming, right. and then this year was a little rough. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I find ways to keep busy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, of course, that also deals not necessarily with you, but with whatever the um, people's seasons are, companies' seasons right. are, and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So, shout-outs. Birthdays. Birthdays. Um, Amy Mueller. Oh, I know Amy. Yeah, Amy Mueller's birthday is today. Happy I didn't birthday, Amy. That. Yeah, I'm very happy to see that. Um, whoops, that's... Oh, and Sally Dana, um, who does acting and singing and casting, so yay. I hope she hears us. Mm-hmm. Um... And then upcoming birthdays, um, Emily Cotellis, who played my Ophelia last year. I was in Hamlet, and she was my daughter. That nice. was very cool. Uh, Derek Much is a theater actor. I'm not sure if he acts much. I, I know he directed. Uh, we went to college together. Stacy Lowe does stuff up in the North Bay, up in Vallejo. Um, her birthday's coming up this week. Um, Allison Wright is a black actress. Uh, we got to do um, Taming of the Shrew. Oh, nice. And, yeah, she was our Kate, and it was fantastic because she is a very dark uh, black woman with a small afro, so definitely not in the, you know, in the the image that okay. people might normally have, but she was a fantastic Kate. Soren Oliver, whose picture I just saw for something at the Aurora, so I'm not sure what it is he's doing, but he's an amazing actor. He's wonderful. And um, a couple of years ago, he had written a piece. And it went up at uh, Live Oak. Oh, yeah. I, I knew that he'd written it, and then I got there, and I saw all the talent on stage. And I'm like, Soren, man, people love you. They know who you are. Rael Myrick Hodges' birthday's coming up. She's a director. She was the executive director, or I think I think it was executive, not artistic, at Brava at one point. And um, she's been bouncing all over the country directing because there's just not enough work for her, which is a shame. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that is it for me with theater okay. birthdays. Theater birthdays. So uh, today, Allison Quinn, I uh, acted with her. It was actually a film. We did a short film, I think it was earlier this year. I can't remember. Um, you know, it's funny when you do film. It's it, unlike theater where, you know, you know you're over and you know that people have seen you with film. You have no idea when it's coming out, if you're in the film or if you're on the cutting floor or anything like that. But in any case, she and I, uh, she uh, she acted in the film, and uh, I have no idea if we're 
you know, what, what happened to that film. But in any case, Allison, if you're listening, happy birthday to you. Uh, yesterday was uh, Nick Mandrakia's birthday. Hey, also, Nick, Nick, that's right. Okay. Nick, you know him? We were in Three Musketeers together. Right on. He was Queen Anne and he was Rockford. Small world. Small he, world. He, he's fantastic. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Tamika White, uh, a good friend of ours, her birthday oh, yes. yesterday. <laughs> right. I, I love that. Did you see her picture? Yeah. Holy cow. She has this glam shot. Yeah, there you go. Online. It's like, oh, what <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll take my clothes off. <laughs> Tuesday, uh, Christine uh, Pagador, uh, she is a young actress. Uh, she's probably in college right now, but she and I were in Gospel together. Uh, so her birthday is on Tuesday. Uh, and Thursday, Paul Danhauser, he is the husband of, oh, I'm, I've got to think of the guy who directed me. He directed me in The Chain. It was a, basically I was a part of the uh, the musical cafe. Oh, right. Yeah. And they do these mini musicals. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I just this past year. Is that right? Yeah. Another small world. Small world. Yeah. What, uh, who, what show were you in? Uh, Finding Medusa. Okay. Written by, um, uh, Madeline Pucci and, oh, yeah. and um, Jeff Dunn did the music. Uh-huh. And I was oh. uh, Athena, the goddess. All right. So, yeah, so the musical cafe, you know, they're, they're pulling in a lot of a lot of folks. And so uh, Paul Johnhauser, he is a part of that. And I thought I had one last person. No, I don't. Actually, uh, Jennifer Lucas, uh, she acted, I believe we were in 110 in the Shade together. Mm-hmm. So that is it. Those birthdays that I have. Uh, uh, Dracula. Dracula is happening. Douglas Morrison Theater. Um, Danny's in that? Yes, uh, Danny Martin. Yeah. He is Van, I think he's Van Helsing. Yeah, the picture. Or, or Harker. Maybe he's Harker. No, he's Jonathan Harker, I think. Yes, he's Harker. Um, yes. Um, gorgeous picture. Because he's tall, man. Yeah. When you got that line and they put you in a suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. open your coat and put your hand <laughs> in your pocket, you just look like the shit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's going on. I'm going to be directing for uh, Playground at Berkeley Rec um, the Monday after Thanksgiving. Okay. I will be directing one of the pieces, and I just – did I bring it in? I didn't. I just got the script, um, or the revised script, the uh, updated script. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. They, um, they're an interesting organization. They don't – they're one of these organizations where they don't quite do a Christmas piece, but they do seasonal sort of things. And so the piece I'm doing is actually Jewish. Oh, and interesting. Great. Yeah. It's, um, I don't think it's finding. It's something Elijah, something about Elijah. And I was like, and I said it to my wife, and she's Jewish, and she was like, oh, so is that, is that the prophet Elijah? I'm like, is there another Elijah, really? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the only, that's the only okay. show I've got to. So um, a history of World War II written and performed by John Fisher. Oh, John, oh, yeah. that's right. I did uh, it at with him. Yeah. Uh, and he is, of course, the, he runs Theater Rhino, but this is not done at Theater Rhino. This will be... It's at the Marsh, isn't it? Yeah, at the Marsh Theater. Yeah. Uh, November the 8th through December the 15th, so plenty of time to go. He uh, gave me an invite. He was like, you know, he wanted me to come. And I was like, hey, I've got time to come. So um, so there's that. Let me see what else is happening. The Wizard of Oz at the Berkeley Playhouse, November the 9th through December the 23rd. Mm. Shotgun Players presents Women Laughing Alone with, with salad. salad. <laughs> so that's happening. Do you know the story behind what inspired that? Because I no, love it. No, no. Um, so apparently when you look at the, what do you call the stock photos? Okay. When you go searching through stock photos, apparently there are a lot of advertising photos. And the way to make something look wonderful is to show a woman alone with salad. <laughs> oh. Okay. So I was like, what the hell is that about? Yeah, right. <laughs> who knew? Who knew? 
In the Heights is being done at the Custom Made Theater. Oh. In the Heights, that musical just popping it's up just everywhere. It's everywhere right now. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. 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 Uh, Chasing Papples, that is a play uh, written and directed by actually direct written by Andrea Amario, written uh, directed by her sister Arena Amario. This is at the Bendelstiff Studios. Oh, uh, this is about a woman who is dealing with um, ICE and immigration, okay. and um, and that is a hot issue that's happening right. yeah. these days. Uh, Vampire Christmas at the Exit Theater. <laughs> <laughs> Vampire Christmas. That's yeah. right for the exit, yeah. 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 Um, and there are auditions for the Love Edition 2019. Um, so if folks want to get into the Bindlestick Studios mm-hmm. to act on stage, uh, they're having their auditions November the 18th. That's tomorrow. Oh, jeez. So we'll post that. And that's all that I have. Anna, did you have a great time? I had a wonderful time. Thank you for having me on. Anything you want to promote? Um, come to Alameda to the Episcopal Church. We're doing the Messiah um, on December 8th. No, sorry, December 14th at 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be doing the alto soloist, and mm-hmm. it's with a 40-plus orchestra, 75-plus choir. Um, it's a sing-along, so I believe that it's... Um, either free or maybe a small donation, mm-hmm. um, and it's only the Christmas expert, so it's not your typical two-and-a-half, three-hour oh, or okay. no, It's like 90 minutes. Yeah. So. If you could send me a, uh, a link, yeah. then I can uh, post that when we post uh, the yay. Also, you and your mom, you're having a... Um, Charity concert. That's right. Um, my mom, like I mentioned, she's a singer as well. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, the wildfires in California have just been so devastating. And mm-hmm. they just, moment of brilliance hit my mind of why don't we give a Christmas concert and um, oh. when I'm home for Portland right, right, right. and all the proceeds can go to um, victims of uh-huh. the fire. And she thought that was a brilliant idea. So unfortunately, that won't be here in the Bay. Um, maybe we can stream but it. People can still donate. Yeah, yeah. donate. Oh, streaming it. Or streaming that would be it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hold it in Portland sometime. And um, I go home tomorrow, so we'll work out all the details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I'm thinking that uh, if you guys have a way that people can donate. Yeah, um, there's tons of opportunities. Like, yeah. I mean, if it's through a Facebook thing. So. Right, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah thank you. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. Thank you so much. And, um, well, uh, let me give you my blurb. You can find the A on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the A on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, and search for the EA. You can find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com, and you can find us. And if you're already using a, uh, a uh, any app that you use for podcasting, you can find the EA. The EA was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. You can find me, Red Space Clay. You can find that Who's Your Hoosier on Twitter. Uh, Anna, do you have a um, Instagram website? Um, you can follow me on web on Facebook at Anna L. Joham. Mm-hmm. If you find me at Anna Joham, that's just my first personal friend mm-hmm. page. But uh, put that L in there, and that's my professional page. J O H A N. Absolutely. You can find us from there, and we got to find a better sign off.